0: You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast. A proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. That's Cinzio? Just give me a bucket of the cream cheese frosting. <laughs>
1: oh, I'm so in. All I, I want am... is the frosting. <laughs> it- Took everything in me not to grab a tub and take it to the movie. (laughs) Grab some poutine and a double double. It's time for the two and out CFL podcast. Now
0: they have to kick it out,
1: and they do every week. Travis Kura. Does
0: anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide hunters are people too. Talk fantasy football. Bring you the latest in CFL news and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Set. And we are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Oh, what a crazy week, too. Hey, I'm Travis Cura. Brazilian tie is still suspended, and we've got some crazy circumstances today. I've had to kind of record the show live, so the guest host today is going to be Andrew from the Eskimo Empire podcast. He is a part of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. So, I mean, let's not mess around. Let's get Andrew on the line right now. Hey, Trav, how's it going, man? Oh, going? Andrew, the Eskimo Empire podcast. How's it going? Uh, it's, uh, it's not Andrew, man. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's Fraser. Oh, my God.
1: Uh, what? What? It's nice to hear from you, my man. How, how's things been? It's been a while. Th-
0: th- things are good. Uh, you're you're live on Two and Out right now.
1: Oh, uh, it's, just, it's just like old times, thing I'm, uh, I'm happy to be back. Hey, I heard I heard Brazilian Thai got suspended. How,
0: how's that? That must be why you're calling, right? Yeah, he's he's suspended, but I I, I think I've had a change of plans. Oh, I I, I had some bad poutine. I need to go. Okay, buddy, I hope you feel better Have a good night Okay, bye Bye. Is he gone? Holy Ah! That was close Join 2 and out for
1: CFL Fantasy and CFL Pick'em And show Kura and Ty what you got They are who we thought they were Just click CFLFantasy.tsn.ca Enough of talking about it There has to be consequences And Pick'em.cfl.ca
0: and now i got to welcome the the real guest host to the show, Empire Andrew from the eskimo empire podcast how 's it going buddy
1: well i 'm glad I finally made it and uh, that you got the right number. Thanks for <laughs> letting me come on man man
0: i don 't know I guess old habits die hard i <laughs>
1: <laughs> that 's a really old habit but uh... Of course, having me on as a co-host is kind of an old habit, too, so I'm glad that uh, you welcome me back. Yeah, the more things change, the more they stay the same.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for filling in on Brazilian Ty's suspension. This is the last last half of his suspension, so uh, we'll get him back on Thursday. Let's talk about the three games in Week 2 and... Man, it is so easy to overreact to what we see on the field. We have to remember that we're only two games in, but I don't think anybody had the Red Blacks beating the Rough Riders 44-41. Maybe they had the Red Blacks beating the Rough Riders, but 85 total points between these two teams? I think everybody had it being like a, a defensive grind full of turnovers and mistakes, and it was just a beautiful display from two court, two young quarterbacks, and it was just a joy to
1: watch on Thursday night. Well, it's always fun when you get that back and forth, right? Especially yeah. when your team's not in it, because then it's like, <laughs> then it's very exciting to watch. But, um, I have to say, I mean, I, you said it. I don't think anybody called 85 points. If they were saying that they called 85 points in a game between the Red Blacks and the Rough Riders, they were obviously talking about over three games. Yeah, exactly. No, no, everybody expected this to be like a 1410, you know, like yeah. I didn't, didn't think it, especially With the two defenses that are supposedly so good, we didn't really expect to see that much offense. And uh, you're right, though. Two young guys get out there and just uh, shoot out the lights. It was kind of fun.
0: It was only the 17th game in CFL history to have 55 points scored at halftime. Uh, so there's been <laughs> over 5,600 games in the CFL's history or something like that. So that just shows you like how how well these offenses were clicking. Uh, Dom Davis and Cody Vajardo, they didn't throw any interceptions. They threw for over 700 combined yards. But the big one was the Rough Rider offense, I think. Uh, they had gone over 413 minutes of game time without a touchdown pass. I believe that was the Montreal game last October, the last time the Rough Riders threw wow. a passing touchdown. So you can see why people expected <laughs> the Rider offense to do nothing with Cody Fajardo making his first ever
1: CFL start well and especially because you had you know Zach in some of those games and you've had, yeah. it's like there's a there's a lot that you look at and think really it's been that long? I mean as an Eskimo fan, I guess I'm not really upset about it, but still <laughs> it was like wow, that's that's crazy. And yet then all of a sudden in this game, what was it? 4 5 in total? Oh, yeah, they had five touchdowns.
0: And I'll give you I'll give you one guess. I think there were only two passing touchdowns, but still uh, Still. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you one guess. The last time that the Riders
1: scored five offensive touchdowns, what game that was. Uh, I'm going to go with the game that they blew Edmonton out in 20. 20- Sixteen was it here? Because there was a one where they just
0: absolutely destroyed us. I'm trying to think. Uh, I think there was probably a couple of return touchdowns in that one.
1: Oh, that might be. Yeah. Okay.
0: The yep. last time there were five touchdowns scored by the offense was the 2013 Grey Cup. Oh really? <laughs> <Yeah>. Wow. <laughs> So, well,
1: it's like quite a feat. Quite it is. A feat. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so they were down two touchdowns with like 19 seconds to go in the first half. And I'm thinking, okay, this is how it's going to go. Isaac Harker is going to come into the second half. and Because Craig Dickinson said that both quarterbacks were going to play. And then Cody Vajardo gets the ball with 19 seconds left. They had 80 yards to go. Two plays later, they're in the end zone and they're down by one touchdown. And then you're thinking, well, they can't take
1: Vajardo out now. <laughs> no kidding. Well, the other part of that is, I was just watching the highlights again um, earlier today, and as you're watching, you're thinking, "Oh, okay. Well, this th- th- this is this is going to be over." And then you see that full drive, and you yeah. realize that the the highlights still have like three and a half minutes left. <laughs> it's like, holy, this is just going to go bananas right away, and it and it really did. It was it was pretty cool to watch. Nick
0: Marshall, defensive back for the Rough Riders, was picked on in this one. And credit goes to Dominic Davis and Dominic Rhymes, actually here because Marshall, he had a lot of hype coming into this season. As a rookie last year, He was great. He was a shutdown DB. They were bringing him in on uh, short yardage, playing quarterback, made some plays there. So I think the jump from the first to the second season, people expected, okay, now this guy's going to be really a cornerstone of the defense and maybe uh, up there with the Delvin Bros of the league but, man, Dominic Rhymes has 11 catches for 168 yards and a touchdown. Rhymes had 303 yards all of last year, so he's well over halfway there, and we're, we're just going into week three here. Some of those plays, though, and I'm sure they had it in the highlight package, I don't know if Marshall could have covered it any better than he did. Dominic Davis, his throws were on target it, I, I it was almost undefensible you know
1: what was that do you think that's a little bit too where fajardo's coming in saying okay i'm gonna give this a shot kind of like what harker did last week yeah. he came in and threw on delvin bro and you're like uh dude why are you throwing over there and you, you wonder if there's a little bit of that in in um, dominic davis coming in and just saying okay no i'm 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 going to throw it where I'm pretty sure I know that guy's going to be. And, uh, and that, like you said, it almost gets to the point of being indefensible, but they're just going to get in and chuck it. And, uh, you never know what might happen. And, and in early games, that's the time to do it, right? You don't want to be doing that, you know, eight or nine games in where they yeah. can see what your play is going to be. But your second game playing as a starter, yeah, go out there and see what happens.
0: I think the Riders' special teams here, they're struggling so that was kind of the difference here there was a fumble from William Powell there was a foul f- or the fumble from Christian Jones but for all the hype that John Ryan had coming back into the CFL from years in the NFL I think he, it looks like he's kind of struggling to get used to the Canadian game he's uh out kicking his coverage or he's kicking it out of bounds it looks like he's having a a little bit of an adjustment period here for the highest paid punter in the
1: league. Well, it could be too, just that, that different size of field, right? I think that that, I think that throws a lot of guys off and we don't give credit for that, for those guys that come up out of the States and then have to actually perform up here. And all of a sudden you're looking at this much wider and longer field and you think, well, that's okay. I can hammer it this way, but, then you know it's going the wrong way they got all the room far, in the like world yeah yeah exactly so I, I think that definitely would play a role um, I know that you were saying that there was that fumble especially with Powell and and them sitting him for basically most of the second half that shocked me I, I have to be honest Um Powell is is a highlight on that offense and I think think it could have made a difference I I was really surprised at that move yeah you
0: know what if he had two or three fumbles and it just wasn't his day I I get it but it was his first fumble and Craig Dickinson didn't waste any time just sat him out there and there were some plays where I, I love Marcus Thigpen as a change of pace back he's a great receiver he had the passing touchdown in the first quarter and you can't deny his speed but there were some, you know, second and short situations where I think Powell was definitely better suited to carry the ball and get the first down there. But no, Dickinson, he, he booted uh, Powell to the bench and tried to teach him a lesson here. Kind of reminds me of a. Uh, uh the former head coach in Saskatchewan something like he would do, right?
1: <laughs> well especially the coach that was a couple of coaches before where, you know, yep. one fumble meant you were out. Oh right? yeah, that's and, what Chamberlain loved to do. And it's and it's just that's not putting that confidence in those. And especially when you have a guy like Powell, like you're talking about a short yarded situation where he's known to take that, you know, that second and two or whatever and break it for 30 because he just finds that hole. I, so that's the part that I was actually quite of surprised, And I, I'm just wondering if that's a little bit of a rookie head coach issue as well. Just, you know, I, I'm going to lay down a law early. Maybe not the greatest of moves, but it's just that's what he feels he needs to do. I'm not really sure.
0: There was uh, some criticism thrown Dickinson's way, and anytime there's a loss in Saskatchewan, that.
1: <laughs> you don't say. You don't, if people get upset about that, no, they could win weird. the
0: game and they'd still be mad at him. <laughs> but, but it was the first quarter when Dominic Rhymes appeared to have maybe made a circus catch, but then the highlights show that it maybe yeah. touched the ground. I I don't know if it did or not. It did look like it to me. Yeah, and he he chose not to challenge. And on TSN, they kind of noted that he wasn't wearing his headset at the time. And some fans are saying, hey, is this guy over his head? What's he doing here? Uh, So far, I think he's doing okay. But, I mean, we saw in the next game, on the very first drive, the
1: challenge flag was thrown. Yeah. Do you think he should have thrown it there? Oh, I think he should have, if, at very least, um, have your headset on so somebody can tell you. Yeah. Hey, that's that a Wally one, like, Buono move there, right? It was a pretty, it was a, pr- or have somebody else that's wearing the headset yeah. that can come over to you and say, Hey, that wasn't a catch. Um, because it was, They played it really quickly on TSN, Mm -hmm. and in that first look, it was like, oh, yeah, that hit the ground, or at least it sure looked like it to me. It would have been enough to give them that spark, um, maybe, that they needed, right? So, um, yeah, and maybe that is just a rookie head coach thing, Um, but... Needless to say, I mean they uh, they they definitely put up a fight the rest of the way. So I guess he he's got them motivated. Can't be uh, yeah. can't be complaining about that. I think we
0: got to give credit to the Red Blacks here. I, they beat the Stamps. They beat the Riders here. And I know both teams have undergone you know a ton of change here. But uh, when do we stop underestimating the Red Blacks? Because I think last year. Everybody was saying, "Ah, this team's going to finish, you know, third in the East, maybe, maybe miss the playoffs." And that's still with all of the talent they had. And then this year, they lose all that talent—the big cornerstones on their offense—and everybody had them down with the Montreals of the world, maybe, and missing the playoffs or finishing third. And I know it's two games in, but they're two and zero. I think it just goes to show, man. I don't know if we can ever count out Marcel Desjardins and uh, Rick Campbell.
1: Well, absolutely. I mean, Rick Campbell brings brings a lot, and they did have that consistency there. I, the, I had them in second until I heard about the change at offensive coordinator, and I yeah. thought, well, now they're going to do this offensive coordinator thing by committee, and I thought, well, that's going to end up being a nightmare, and that's where I started to write them off and put them down the list. and. I guess I made a mistake there because they're they 're showing they can do stuff now it 'll be interesting, and as you said it 's only two games in it 'll be interesting if that offense by committee can still. Perform to this level when they they're hitting that game nine, game ten, and there is some film out on uh, Dominic Davis. But um, for right now, I mean, yeah, I, I obviously much like I did with the Stampeders for many many years, where I'd say, ah, oh, this is the year they're gonna. F- no, it isn't. Damn it! <laughs> and Then they do it again, and uh, we're gonna have to start doing that with Ottawa until they show us otherwise.
0: I kind of wonder uh, if that's the way of the future, having multiple guys. Calling plays because how many times have offensive coordinators or defensive coordinators, for that matter, across the league been criticized for fans for being so stubborn and so set in their ways? Like, for example, a Jacques Chaptelain not running the ball, or a uh, uh, Mike Benavides continuing with that soft zone like <laughs> could, could there be uh more hands in the pot saying hey maybe we should change it up here or i could see that also causing some friction on the sideline too
1: yeah i think i think it's a it that's a double-edged sword right you yeah. can live and die by it and uh, it's going to take the right people to be able to pull it off and and i guess campbell has found a group that Found, finds a way to do it right now. Um, and so we've got to give them credit for that. I I just don't know around... The, I think the thing we have to keep in mind, though, is we may see it more just solely because of the coach's cap. And as guys yeah. move on and, and you now have this coaching shuffle... Um, does that mean that you end up having to have those guys where that, you know, that quarterback's coach is now a little bit more calling some plays or the running back coach, right? So you may you may see a little bit more of that as it progresses. I think right now we're going to see that consistency in offensive coordinator, but it may go that way just with the number of coaches that are actually available.
0: Jason Shivers is in his first season as the defensive coordinator for the Riders. He was the DB coach under Chris Jones for a few years but the Ryder defense in this one. I I can't imagine last year them giving up 44 points to anyone. I I don't care if it was Dom Davis or Bo Mitchell. They were not going to give up this kind of yardage and this many points. A lot of it, you know, they did have a couple short fields. The Red Blacks did. But, man, uh, is this defense going to be okay? What, What do you think from watching them?
1: Well, from what I've seen so far, I I think they will gel and get better as the season goes on. I think you've had a few guys that you've had those losses. I I, I understand that you you put in Micah Johnson and and you lose Willie Jefferson and you and you, you think that that's fairly balanced, but and Micah Johnson is dominant, don't get me wrong. But mm-hmm. if he's if he's coming up the middle and he's now double teamed and, and you don't have that guy coming around the edge, maybe that, that is making a difference. Um, I really think when you look at guys like um, Toby Antigua and um, who was the guy that went to the NFL again that was playing? Oh, uh, Sam That's the one. Like I really think that those were really big losses. Not that oh, yeah. the guys that replaced with aren't good, but they're just going to need some time to actually get into place. And I think Shivers as well, he he wasn't the guy calling the plays before. Yeah. He's learned a lot, but he's going to take some time to get used to, okay, this is when I need to call this play. And uh, But I, I think they have the guys in place that they should do better as they get, again, to that kind of mid-season form.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I think they have the the horses on the field, but from what I've seen in that game, it just seemed a lot more... I guess, vanilla than what we've come to expect out of uh, Chris Jones' defense. And I think that's maybe all it was. The D-line did have four sacks in the game, so they were doing uh, their job at points. But Davis is a mobile guy. He could get out of the way and make things happen with his legs, like Trevor Harris didn't do in Ottawa last year. So he needed a different sort of protection. It was just vanilla. That's how I felt about it.
1: I, I can see that. I can see that. It wasn't, uh, yeah, it wasn't a really big, and I mean, you want to talk about somebody who knows about vanilla defense yeah. over the last few years. Um, yeah, so <laughs> you might be right there. Yeah. Nothing
0: wrong with the vanilla ice cream cone once in a while. Though. Uh, I mean. Yeah, no, I, I don't mind.
1: I don't, you know, vanilla on your ice cream or, you know, vanilla in, you know, Coca Cola or something. Like, that's really good. I don't yeah. mind that. Extra vanilla in your French toast? Wonderful. In your defense? I'd rather not.
0: Yeah. Now, uh, we can't ditch this game without mentioning the Mac Henry incidents when Dom Davis ran out of bounds and basically ran into a brick wall. When, <laughs> when it was at full speed, I thought that Henry didn't do anything and I was like, "Holy crap, that guy, he he did it was like a fly ran into him, but when you slow it down like you do everything. Yes. Yeah, he leaned in with the shoulder a little bit. I think uh, Davis is running out of bounds, and he's expecting to be safe at that point. That's right. the whole point of the sideline.
1: And if nothing else, to be kind of caught, right? I, yeah. I understand it's the it's the offense, or the, the defense is on that side. like It's the, the opposition. That's the word I'm looking for. But you'd expect that they would at least kind of either get out of the way or catch him before he goes too far. Not put your shoulder out yeah. on purpose.
0: <laughs> so I'm sure he's going to get a fine, I think. I've just never seen that happen, where a guy not only didn't like kind of brace himself for impact, he he got ready for impact. It was it was like the Deron Carter on uh, knocking the coach over thing uh, once upon a time.
1: <laughs> it uh, was, yeah, it was like oh, I'm going to get right in the way. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure uh,
0: Wednesday uh, he'll be on the fine list. Uh, and and CFL. to be fair
1: he should be i mean yeah. let, let's be honest i yeah. mean as cfl fans you, you if you let it go then as soon as anybody runs into an yeah. opposing bench that's going to happen and that's kind of ridiculous i you, you, i mean great for us we get a laugh out of it <laughs> kind of because yeah. it's not it's not our team getting hit but on on the whole i yeah i don't like it it needs to it needs to stop so you got to figure that fine is coming for sure
0: Let's move uh, to Edmonton on Friday night when the Eskimos pummeled the Lions 39-23. Before uh, we really get into the meat and potatoes of the game, did you expect a little bit more fanfare for Mike Riley coming back to town? It's so early in the season. I thought they could have capitalized on that a little bit more. And I I think that's where the NFL really uh, excels. They they make the they made the whole Brady Manning thing like larger than life, and the guys aren't on the field at the same time. You know, <laughs> like, right. like these yeah. guys. There's really nothing in be- between them. They 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 do their best to make these seem like WrestleMania matchups, but there was nothing <laughs> here. And I, I kind of thought that the Eskimos would have you know a sixty second video or something sometimes uh, the player gets a little bit emotional and then you get in his head and he sucks right i think they did that with uh, ryan smith when he came back to edmonton as an avalanche during uh uh you know a commercial break they played a video hey thanks ryan for all of this is riley not in that class at least he brought a championship to the city
1: yeah, I, I was actually really surprised because I even said to my wife as we sat down and the teams came out and they were on the sideline. They did O Canada, and I thought, okay, now they're going to do the little tribute. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Mike, and then we're going to destroy him. Like, that, yeah, that was my that was exact. Those are my exact words. Now it did the second half of that definitely turned out, <laughs> but the yeah. first half of that, I, I was actually really surprised because. Mike is a uh, uh, Mike was a leader when he was here, and he was important not only on the field but he was important in the community as well and uh, I know I was saying on my show last week I had no idea how much it affected my son that he left until we were watching the first game of the season Winnipeg and b c and he, he like was super bitter about it that I didn't expect for you. Like right. I hope I hope Riley gets sacked and they go <laughs> go Winnipeg and he was all excited and and all these types of things. Um, so he he did make it that kind of impression, right? So you, I, I was just expecting a little bit of a thank you, and now we're coming to get you. And yeah, uh, I was I was surprised that that didn't happen. Um, so I, well, I'm glad the second part of it happened.
0: <laughs> well, the defense right on the first drive of the game, they were coming after him and it Absolutely. ended up happening again <laughs> in the second half. But all that momentum that Edmonton sort of had, the crowd was loud. They were getting after Riley in the first two plays of the game and then Claybrooks throws the challenge flag like uh, talked about in the Ryder game, on the first drive of the game, and they found roughing the passer, it extended the drive, and then they drove down the field and scored a touchdown. I think that was the same drive and Riley flipped over and landed on his head like... I'm like, he's not getting up after that, but <laughs> he, he, he totally did. But the Eskimo defense was fired up, and BC got
1: out to a 17-3 lead. How are you feeling at that point? Well, I, honestly, at that point, I was like, well, I guess uh, Mike came to get his revenge, yeah. I, I guess. I, I mean, I, and, and honestly, it's just like that secondary. They were just having a hard time. A couple of them in indefensible uh, Uh, balls thrown like uh the one to brian burnham behind Taekwondo, glass it was like he he couldn't have covered him any better and it was right there um and uh it's mike riley i mean that that's what it is he comes out and he can throw that ball and it'll you you're never gonna you're not gonna stop him completely um so I was, that's kind of what I was feeling, but then I was trying to remember, okay, but this is just the second quarter. And I actually, I remember looking at the time and going, oh my God, there's still nine minutes left in the second quarter. (laughs) Like this is what is going on. But at the same time, and I will, I will say this, I know, um, one of the big things that people are saying is that there was that pick. Um, That happened at that point um, where Taequann Glass actually jumped up and caught that uh, ball as as BC was marching again. But right before that, um, right at that point when I was looking at the clock, Larry Dean sat the entire defense down, especially the secondary, and he just laid it out that wow. this was this was going to change and you could see it on the bench um, and they were actually showing it on TSN as well when I re-watched it and Larry Dean, I think that and that pick were the turning point in the game. It was just that moment where he became the leader of that defense and everyone just jumped on board and we're going to show what we can do and oh boy did they ever.
0: Well, and I think a lot of people loaded up on at least a few Lions receivers because of the changes in the Eskimo secondary from week one. Even uh, Don Unambo didn't play in this game. Brian Walker making his first uh, start at uh, strong side uh, linebacker, and then uh, Taquan Glass plays <laughs> plays yeah. halfback.
1: Half. Uh, I mean. And money hunter playing safety. So well, yeah, so Johnson moved up to yeah.
0: corner with Anthony Orange not playing. There were a lot of changes in the secondary, so I think people were thinking, okay, Duran Burnham, uh, Duran gonna have a big one here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I know I picked I picked Carter myself. I figured that he would get a few and. Um, and at the, you know if you only watch the first 15 minutes of the game <laughs> <or> 20 <laughs> minutes of the game you're like oh yeah i'm going to have a great fantasy night um and then you didn't unless you had eskimos so um that it was it was pretty crazy um and all those changes too like and and both Unamba and orange on six game too it's not like it's yeah. this is just a another quick thing and i i know i talked to Brock Sunderland after the game and i said Man, I got to give you some credit for finding some depth here because here we are again where we've got all these guys on the sixth game. And he goes, Yep, well, you know, nothing we can do about it, but we just got to get leaders, and that's what we've got.
0: So it was 17 to 3, and uh, C.J. Gable, I think it was, what, 14 to 3 when he had the fumble, but then the defense held them to a field goal. And that's when Edmonton took over. After that, when they were able to hold them to a field goal, uh, Riley gets picked off and the Eskimos drives were field goal, touchdown, 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 and (laughs) BC had no answer. Actually, I saw a tweet that said BC, I can't even say gained, (laughs) between 10 minutes left in the first half and the end of the game, minus two yards of offense.
1: Well, there were a um, significant number of sacks after yes. that point, so that all which counts gave towards a lot it. Of negative yardage, yeah, exactly. Because they, and, and of course, there were a whole lot of penalties too that were, I'm sure, we're going to talk about <laughs> yeah. in a minute, but um, which moved the ball. Like, I, I can't even imagine how many first downs BC got based on penalties. But yeah, um, there were so many sacks that, and they weren't just for like. Five yards. They were like for eight and ten and twelve yard sacks. So even though BC could pass the ball and get fifteen yards, they you know over the three plays they were still negative three or four. So wow. it's uh, it was it was crazy to have that amount of production from that defense after that point.
0: Riley was officially sacked seven times. <laughs> I think he was officially least- hit about thirty. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that's that's an exaggeration. Uh,
1: No, I no. Well, it may be a little, but I know that. I know I had. Yeah, they had tallied seven. I had counted four that went for roughing the passer, so they didn't count as as wow. sacks. Um, and uh, and then there's a couple others that where he was at least pressured or hit as he was throwing. There was one where Quaku uh, actually cut him in half as he was throwing a ball and uh, and dropped him again. So it, he, Mike took an absolute beating in this game um, and. I, I want to be here and sing all the praises of the Eskimo D line um, and say how, and they are very good and they were very good, but boy, oh boy, that BC offensive line, oh, that is something that is not pretty to look at right now, especially with the way Mike hangs onto the ball for those few extra seconds. Yeah, it, it, that is going to be a tough battle for them this year.
0: Boyko is a guy playing offensive line for the Lions, and he spent some time in the NFL. He seems to be the one kind of getting lit up the most, uh, having a tough time I adjusting. I, I don't know what it is there, but he, he does come with a bit of hype to the Lions. They drafted him a few years ago and he finally comes to Canada, and he's having a tough time getting up to speed here. here. I think there was actually a point where they went on a run of six of nine plays ending in a sack.
1: Yeah. it was lovely and, and it was and all like he, right in front of me i was just screaming my head off it he was, was
0: probably hit on the other three of those nine <laughs> should like, they have like, just gotten him out of there and said uh you know what
1: uh get out there rookie you can go take the beating uh i, I see I, I i get that point and on the other hand it's not like they were way out like they for a, a lot of that time, they were within two scores. Yeah, they were. Um, so when you've got Mike Riley and it's five minutes left in a game and you're down two scores, are, are you going to take him out of the game? No. Probably not. No, Probably not. And And even if he was still playing with the Eskimos, I would have said the same thing. Probably not because there's always a chance that he could connect on those two, three big plays and all of a sudden the game is tied, right? So I get it now in after he got nailed that many times maybe you think about it but uh just because obviously the offensive line at that point really had nothing left and it was just like every play he'd say snap and they were back there so um but i i can see the i can see the reasoning to keep him in because there is that chance to turn it around Harris to
0: Ellingson uh, was a connection we heard a lot in Ottawa and a lot on Friday. Nine catches for 174 yards and a, what is a beautiful with 54-yard touchdown that was. It, it just That's shows the chemistry that these two had uh, bringing bringing that over from Ottawa. So Brock Sunderland deserves credit for making that happen. But man, I, I think it was a miracle that the Eskimos were able to. Lead the way they did and win by sixteen, by having fourteen penalties for a hundred and sixty-five yards. Four or five of them were roughing the passer. It was five <laughs> of them.
1: It was five of them. So they gave away seventy-five of those yards. <laughs> wow! I can't even. I don't even know if I could say that with a straight face. Seventy-five yards they gave away on roughing the passer. Do you think they wanted to get Mike Riley?
0: Hey, I saw some people, there was that story that came out a couple of weeks ago, and I don't think I mentioned it on Two and Out, that uh, Sean White said something in the media that they've now gotten rid of the cancer in the locker room. Well, they were really stepping up to go after Riley, weren't they? (laughs) Some (laughs) people suggested
1: that, yeah. Yeah, uh, but it, yeah, it's not Mike. It's not Mike. Um, Mike was a leader when he was here. Um, They just wanted to prove a point, but I, I... the the that comment from Sean is not based on Mike Riley. I do know that.
0: Did you did you catch that moment after the game when Trevor Harris went to shake Chris Edwards' hand? Maybe it's him.
1: <laughs> I thank you for bringing that up because you want to talk about a guy who also needs a fine. That guy right there. That was absolutely ridiculous. Trevor Harris goes to shake his hand blows him off and then basically gets up into the face of, of David Beard, who then comes to his quarterback's rescue at that point. Um, And you know what guys, I understand there's emotion. I understand that you don't like losing. I understand it's a competition, but why is it that, you know, 98% of the, of of every player when the whistle blows can turn around and say, okay, that's the way it went. Good game. And, This guy's got to do like, come on, dude. Like, that's not okay. And and I I don't like the way that he stood up into Trevor Harris's face and all that stuff. Just just walk away. You don't need to be like that. Somebody is trying to shake your hand and say, good game. Let it be done.
0: You know what? Not even as a football player, but
1: as a man,
0: that's embarrassing. Like you got beat. You got beat.
1: That, I was super happy, though, that he continued his trend and got a 15-yard uh, penalty uh, <laughs> on the other team for once. It was kind of nice to have it go the other way.
0: We, we need yeah. to... There needs to be a stat. Like, who leads the league in penalties? And <laughs> he
1: must average at least 15 or 30 yards a game. <laughs> Well, he did for a long time. He did clean it up at the second half of last year. Uh, But the trend is starting once again, and I'm quite all right with it now.
0: But the Eskimos made a lot of changes to that point, and the penalties are still a thing. Uh, There was a lot of penalties last year, but in this game, they were so dominant, they were able to weather the storm of those penalties. How do they fix that? Is it them playing aggressive defense, or what is it?
1: Well, I think that's part of it right now is they are back again to playing an aggressive defense under Philip Lawley. And we saw a lot of pressure coming. Um And there were a few that were, I mean, by the letter of the law, yes, it's roughing the passer. But, I mean, that one on Quaku where he was reaching over to block the ball and happened to catch Riley's helmet. Like, it yeah. was obviously not on purpose, but... It is roughing the passer. So, I mean, there's a few things like that. I think there's a few calls in this game, too, though, on both sides, not just the Eskimo side, but on the BC side, too, that it's like, really? We're going to call that right now? Like, that was kind of not like, just let them play a little. Um, the one that comes to my mind is is there was that little scuffle uh, in the Eskimos' end zone. Well, Dron Carter um, got in there, and well, he was now that was in this. He was the second guy. Yeah, right? he was the first guy was Lamar Durant, and Lamar Durant pushes Hunter into the the goal post, No flag, right? Then yeah. Carter comes in and pushes him, and then Carter gets a flag, and Hunter, after being bounced off, the I don't know why he post, got the flag, turns, and then he gets a flag. I'm like. <laughs> Come on, guys, like do you want this to stop or do you want it to escalate? Like that and and I just looked at it as the, there could have been a flag on the first one and it would have been done. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And I think there was a few where it's like there that's a pretty that's a pretty tight call. So um And we've seen this every year as the CFL starts, too. At the beginning of the year, they call everything. And then as it gets later into the season, it gets a little bit better. So I'm hoping that's the same trend that we're on right now.
0: Uh, Next thing I got to talk about, it's not pretty. It's not fun to talk about. I I really don't like talking about attendance and hammering on it. I'd prefer to be... Uh, positive. I'm going to the games. I I'm a big believer that enthusiasm is contagious. So when I wear my you know CFL stuff to work, I'm talking about people at work about the league, talking about the game I'm going to that night. I like to be I don't know an ambassador. I don't know if that sounds cheesy or stupid. So but the the Eskimos have long been either one or two in the CFL when it comes to. Attendance. It wasn't long ago when we looked at 35 or 40,000 as kind of the benchmark at Commonwealth Stadium. And last week for the home opener against Montreal, they announced the attendance at 25 and change. This week, with Mike Riley coming to town, it was 24 and change. Mm -hmm. And honestly, uh, part of me kind of wonders if they're now announcing tickets uh, or actual attendance instead of tickets sold because I I swear I've seen less people in the stadium, but a bigger number uh, on the screen. (laughs) But I, I feel like with Riley coming to town that, and I know the weather was rainy and crappy all week long. And thankfully we were dry during the game. Yeah. But what, what is it? What's happening in Edmonton?
1: Well, I think there's a few things going on. Um, when somebody pointed out to me, and I think you knew this as well. I mean, the NHL draft was also on Friday night, and we know in Edmonton that it's just an oiler city, and it is. I, I, I personally, I don't understand that, but especially for a draft. But I'm obviously a huge Eskimo fan. So, um, but. I don't understand why after spit being so long that you would really care about who they pick as at eighth instead of a team that actually wins games. That's just me on the side. But um, I, I think there's a little bit of... I mean, there's obviously people who are going to go to that. I think there are people who, again, were scared off by the weather, like you just said. I think that another part of it is that there are people who saw all of the changes and saw everything that has happened in the last couple of years on on some of the questionable things on the president side of things, um, the departure of Mike Riley, all of these types of things. There are still people who are super upset about Ed Hervey leaving, even though Brock Sunderland yeah. really hasn't made a misstep since he got here, as far as I'm concerned. So I think all of those things kind of piled up to a bunch of people that have now said, well, prove it prove that you're better without all these people. Now they have proved it two weeks in a row, as far as I'm concerned, but I think there's going to be some people that are waiting until that happens, um, until they see it more. And then they're going to start coming back. The last thing that I will say about it though, is that, and, uh, I, I mean, I don't like to criticize my own team, but you know, they just, they hardly hyped Mike Riley coming back,
0: no, like I thought you know i I heard the radio commercials coming in, and you know, I thought they would uh they, they were pretty standard, like the same yeah. as the other commercials I had heard i I, I would Absolutely. like to have seen billboards like. This is our house now. You know, making him, paint him out to be the enemy. We know that right. he went to BC for personal reasons, uh, the family and everything like that. And that that's okay. But paint yes. him as the enemy that betrayed you, and you want to destroy him when he comes back. I think <laughs> I that agree. sells
1: tickets. I agree. And, and make it that it, again, make it an event. Like, yeah. this is the thing. There, there, It's... You're you're absolutely right, and all the ads, the ads are run of the mill. It's every week. It's the same. Yes, they have the Eskimo football, and it's great. And come to this is the big and the big game is this night. And but every radio ad sounds the exact same, and it doesn't matter who it is that's coming in. Yeah, right. And this was an opportunity to totally jump on that and be like, hey we're going to we're we're going to take this guy down and get get we need your support we need the support of the empire and it just didn't feel like that was there like it just didn't feel like there was that there's a a reason you want to be there and be helpful. <laughs> Do you know what I
0: mean? Yeah. There was so, Shannon Sharp there. I don't know what the connection is. I don't know if he just happened to be in town and then they invited him. Uh, the same with Brandon Zilstra last week. Uh, Kenny Ladler was there. I don't know if these guys were just there or if the Eskimos are trying to use this to sell tickets. I, I don't know if they just happen to be in town or not, but I, I found it really interesting. They're not going to be at home for a month. <laughs> and, yeah, um,
1: five weeks now. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: They they're going to Winnipeg. They're going to BC, and they're going to Montreal. They they could win two out of the three. They they could lose two out of the three. And being on the road for that long is never easy for uh, any team. And then they come back on a Thursday night against Toronto. So that's a tough sell. I, I, I it's going to be tough to increase the attendance from this past Friday night against a Western opponent. So. Uh, what do they do? I, I found it really interesting that they sent out a survey not long after the game. To They sent it to me as a season ticket holder. Yeah, uh, me too. It, I, I don't know if I've had, we've had surveys before, but after, you know, week two of the season, it looks like they see the concerns and they want to fix things.
1: Well, and I actually got a survey the the first week too. I got one week one and I got one week two. So I'm like, oh, okay, maybe they're going to do this every time. Um, And I'm okay with that if they're actually looking for feedback to try and make this different. Um, the one thing that I'll give them credit for, although it didn't run as smoothly as hoped, but the, the summer solstice party after the game where people were down on the field, there were lots of people down there. Yeah. I thought that was actually a, a neat idea. But the hype for it started on Thursday and the game was Friday. Yeah, that, That's that's where the problem comes in. And same thing with Brandon Zilstra and Shannon Sharp and these types of things. It's like, yes, they're going to be at the game, but they're announcing those things Wednesday or Thursday and the game is Friday. People already have plans for Friday, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that needs to be announced... A week in advance. Like, we should be. At, when we were at the game on the Friday before, it should have been said, hey, next week, Brandon Zilstra is coming back. And maybe they didn't have it confirmed or something. But do you know what I mean? Like, it. Yeah. Again, it just make the event and be able to hype that all week so that people, by the time the Friday rolls around, they want to go to it. Now, they did that a little bit, I guess, starting with for the Toronto game where they have the 225 hot dogs and the 525 yeah. beers at the next game. So hopefully that'll draw some more people out on a Thursday night. And it's the Thursday night concert series and they haven't announced who's going to be playing yet, but hopefully they'll get that information out sooner. Um and hopefully they're, they've got a team coming in that has the possibility of, you know, being four and four and one, maybe like at that point. And come on, they're winning. Come and watch this. They're they're Be part of something big. Um, I hope they kind of jump on that as we get towards this.
0: Uh, two more quick questions. What can they do to improve the game day experience? Uh, I'm a diehard fan so my wife and I have a blast at the game. It's not about me. I know. I know some season ticket holders. They they say they don't feel valued. I, I don't know really what the team can do for us. I, I I'm not a marketing genius. And doesn't this just show that? moving the season up further does absolutely nothing. If if <laughs> it seems like the people complaining that the season needs to be moved up, then you better go to the June and July games and prove that the warm weather games, and I know it was cooler, it was probably 10 or 11 degrees sure. or whatever, but, I mean, they're not bringing people through the gates either.
1: No, no, and I, I agree with you. Um, I think that we're not at the point where we can move up the season a whole lot more because uh, I mean well that that first game was what was it 2 days after the Stanley Cup was awarded and 1 day after the Well and the draft finals, is like 3 like, weeks before camp starts so like it's yeah so I mean that it really does start to get involved in some of those other which is what we were saying now you're going up against playoff hockey and all those types of things on the other hand if the season doesn't truly start until Labor Day, as they keep saying, yeah. <laughs> is that where we start to measure from? Is it? Do we measure once we get to through August? Yeah. But, um, I had to Uncle BD actually, uh, who we've had on the show, Brian Desjardins, He's he said a cup. He said a really interesting thing too. End of May, beginning of June is when. All of the parents are wrapping all of this stuff up with their kids. Oh, yeah. They're finishing soccer. They're finishing their baseball. They're, you know, all of, you know, dance, all those types of things are, are now finishing. It's like, do we really like we, we've we just spent the last three nights wrapping up and doing all of these things for school and this type of thing is now the time that I really want to be going to a game. And again, unless you've got that hype train of saying, okay, this is the reason you do want to, that that might be affecting a little bit.
0: Two and Out is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. And this episode is brought to you by uh, the Alberta Blue Cross Wellness Summit coming up October 10th at the Renaissance Edmonton Airport Hotel. Uh, The Summit's a day to explore fresh perspectives and practices around wellness. This year, the focus is on what it takes to create healthy workplace cultures where everyone thrives. And they've got a number of really cool keynote speakers, including Drew Dudley. He had a TED Talk online. You can Google it. I think it's called Lollipop Moments. It's like six or seven minutes long. You know what? You're going to feel really inspired after watching that. So I encourage you to Take some time to watch it, but he's going to be here at the Alberta Blue Cross uh, Wellness Summit. And you're, you're not just sitting at a table with a pencil and a pad of paper, you get to mingle with all these uh, keynote speakers and talk to these amazing people. So, whether you're an employee or an employer, you should probably go and check out the Alberta Blue Cross Wellness Summit, October 10th, at the Renaissance Edmonton Airport Hotel. You can get more information at the Wellness Summit ca uh, i know uh <laughs> you've actually lost some weight over the past uh, year or so speaking of wellness i've kind of <laughs> went i had a bad off season and i'm gonna blame brody lawson for not doing the cfl grind <laughs> <laughs> sorry brody
1: <laughs> well I I could tell you, I I, I was doing okay, and then I had this staycation weekend this past weekend, and let me tell you, I threw it all out the window, (laughs) and not only did I throw it out the window, it was like a... Uh, tables, ladders and chairs match and I like beat the living crap out of that and uh, decided to throw all caution to the wind and uh, oh, let me tell you, if there was not some form of grease in every meal I ate this weekend, I was not eating it. It was... (laughs) But it was amazing. (laughs) But I'm going to feel like garbage for three days, but it was so worth it. It was worth every penny. Um, Ending off with uh, like a shrimp stack that probably could closely put me in an eating contest. It was amazing. So good.
0: You know what? You could go on an international culinary tour inside West Edmonton Mall. Uh, Yes. Man, I got to say. But I
1: just went grease, but it was great.
0: That Cinzio, just give me a bucket of the cream cheese
1: frosting. (laughs) I'm so in. All I I want is the frosting. (laughs) It took everything in me not to grab a tub and take it to the movie (laughs) to have after the popcorn. Because it was like, I knew it was all out the window at this point. Just give me a tub and I'm going to just eat it with a spoon. It'll be unreal. Although... Did you have you been there and tried the dragon's breath yet? No. What's this all about? Oh, I highly recommend it. it it's um, it basically they put ice cream in liquid nitrogen, Whoa. so it like makes it solid. Yeah, and then they have these things that are like Fruit Loops that they also put in the liquid nitrogen, and they crush them <laughs> on top of the ice cream, and then you put the little. Fruit Loop balls in your mouth, and when you crunch them, basically you breathe fire or breathe smoke like a dragon. Whoa! And if, you, and if you keep your lips closed, you can actually breathe it out your nose. And my son thought it was the greatest thing ever. What is and this at? It's it's just like right outside Galaxy Land, and cool. it's it. Oh my goodness! It was so much fun <laughs> and. And again, like if you're going on an eating holiday, you might as well yeah.
0: try it all. I'm, yeah, I'm partial that. to the Chinese food there. Like uh, when I, whenever I go to a movie there, uh, you know, I get the standard popcorn or whatever. But I'll never forget the people in front of me smuggled Chinese food in from the food court. And I'm thinking, <laughs> you're doing it right. <laughs> what am I doing?
1: <laughs> why? Why did I not bring ginger beef? This is ridiculous. Yeah. This popcorn sucks. All of a sudden, <laughs> you get those those mini twicks out of here. I want some. I want some Chinese food right now. Oh my! I, I feel like we could talk more about the mall
0: than we could talk about the Ticats cats game. Yeah,
1: well, we should probably still
0: talk about yeah, it. I guess it was <laughs> about. I guess about five minutes left in the second quarter is when things just got out of hand. The TyCats beat the Argos 64-14. And I guess part of it is I kind of feel bad for the Argos. It seems like every time they have some momentum going, you know, they win a great cup, they can come back, they have a nice championship rally, they come into the next year, they get a nice crowd and then they win four games all year. Then they come in yeah. here, and then you know what? They got a pretty good crowd—just under seventeen thousand fans in the stands in Toronto. That's that's not bad. That's, that's more than that's the great. Blue yeah. Jays are uh, drawing right now when it's not you know the Red Sox or the Yankees in town. So then they get crushed by fifty points. They, they need well, some consistency th- in Toronto more than anywhere else, almost.
1: Yeah, most of that was in that second half. Yeah. Too. I mean, it was it was it was twenty to six at halftime. So they're in it. Yeah, th- they're in it, and it's it's it it's not completely out of reach, and it looks like it's a f- reasonably fair battle. But that second half, oh my goodness, that was not pleasant for if you were an Argo fan. <laughs>
0: it, it all started nice. I thought that the ceremony they had for Ricky Ray was great i it was absolutely kind of what i expected the eskimos to do for fred stamps but fred didn't even get to say anything i (laughs) i yeah i don't want to slam the eskimos anymore for that but when do you think ricky ray gets his moment in edmonton because that's got to come
1: oh i agree yeah it's it's got to come um i think actually um they're likely i if they if they're what I think they're thinking, which, yeah. which we all know that I've never been right. But um, I would do it at the Labor Day rematch. And the reason for that is, is that is usually the biggest crowd. Yeah. Um, and it's a, it would be the biggest tribute to Ricky, which is what he deserves. Um, I really hope that they don't do it on the 25th of July when they're playing the Argos. I and know. Reason, I'm worried about that. I am too. And the reason I don't want them to do it there is just because, I mean, we already know Thursday night is not going to draw as many people and I you can use it as a selling point. But are people going to come out for Ricky Ray night on a Thursday night? I just, I don't, I don't know about that. But I, I really want him to get his credit that he's due. And, and I really hope that that happens either at the Labor Day Classic or Return um, or... Later, like where we know that we're getting into playoff Mm -hmm. football and you kind of need to have that push, and, and Ricky's the guy that I think I'd love to have here at that point.
0: Or if they don't figure anything out and the Eskimos clinch a home playoff game, which I know is getting ahead of ourselves, if they could bring him in for a semifinal or a West final,
1: I think that would have Commonwealth really fired up. It would, except I don't want that to take away right, from okay. the game. That's my only thing is that I, I love Ricky, um, but I I want him to be able I, I, on two sides. I want to make sure that Ricky gets the proper ceremony and that's not going to happen in a playoff game. And I want to make sure that that isn't also taking away from the importance of the game. So mm-hmm. that, that's why I, I like that second half of the season type idea. Um, where. But I do hope that they do it for a full halftime and not Ricky and a concert like they did for, for Freddie. Um, I think we need to have, uh, let's, let's give Richard Ray his due.
0: Uh, the last time the Tiger cats beat an opponent by 50 was 1999. Can you guess what else happened in 1999?
1: Isn't, that one of the last times that they won the cup. It is the last time. Yeah, it they is. Won the That's cup. what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> so. I, I don't,
0: uh, now we're really getting ahead of ourselves here, but it, it just, everything fell into place. I think there was a, uh, a, t- a time in the game where they went six consecutive drives with a touchdown. You thought the Eskimos did something when they uh, went four consecutive drives with a touchdown, but six of them for Hamilton. And I know on TSN they mentioned it a few times. They were talking about Argos and their conditioning. Uh, they ended up undergoing a lot of injuries: Tremaine Washington, Jermaine Gabriel, Abdul Kane, Micah Away, Ronnie Pfeffer. It was crazy the amount of injuries that they went through. Does this come down to conditioning? As simple as that?
1: Well, it might, but I don't. I don't really like them saying that. I mean, yeah. I, I like. I like them maybe saying that maybe they weren't as prepared based on having that week off so conditioning early, definitely feels right? like an insult it absolutely does absolutely does and so i i have a little bit of a hard time with that one um cuz even if it is <laughs> like you could at least just can you sugarcoat it a touch um you know they're already getting hammered you don't have to rub it in their face so that that part was a little tough for me but i I don't know if it's so much just conditioning as it is just play calling and honestly their line on both sides of the ball the o line yeah, and d line yeah. just look not good and um it's really hard to give a lot of credit to an offense when the offensive line can't can't hold them off just long enough to get, no disrespect to Hamilton's D line, which is also very good, but just those, they got totally demolished in the trenches. And I don't know if that has anything to do with conditioning as much as it just has to do with they aren't have they don't have a ton of talent in those two spots.
0: Yeah, they were without a veteran. Ryan Bombin wasn't able to play. So the first overall pick, Shane Richards gets in there and he yeah. he took some penalties. He had a he had a tough time uh in that game. And you know what? And I, I'm beginning to wonder if this is the problem sort of with B or not BC, but uh, Toronto and Montreal, they have some of the poorest situations when it comes to practice facilities they're They're kind of practicing all over the place, really, yeah, that's true and uh i I don't know if that's if that wears on the team a little bit but their situation wasn't any worse when they won the Grey Cup two years ago so I, I it's really tough to explain what happened here it might have just been a perfect storm with Hamilton I mean Brandon Banks I was wondering about his injury coming into the season but he had 247 all purpose yards including a 113 yard missed field goal and I think the Thai cats they were trying they they were getting other personnel in there <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did. Uh, the, the first ever point scored by a global player, Gabriel Amavisca Ortiz ended up kicking uh, a convert. How are you that feeling so about cool. CFL uh, 2.0 now because I've really warmed up to the idea and I love the stories from these guys.
1: Oh, absolutely. I'm right with you. Uh I love hearing some of these stories and I like seeing them get some success and I hope that it does translate to more eyes on the CFL and at first, I think I was a little skeptical of it, but when I heard Randy Ambrosi talk about how this will also give those, uh, U sports players another opportunity to play in other spots, so I was like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of warming up to this a bit. And then we got to meet some of these guys. Yeah. And, uh, we got to meet Diego, uh, here and what is just completely humble guy. Um, so happy to be here and be part of something and uh, when you see these guys have success it's it's really just it gives you that cool story and and uh, it's not to I, but it's like when you have that that rookie that comes up and just shines you're just mm-hmm. like oh it's so awesome that you got to here and you're able to play and and do well and so i i was really i'm really happy with the way this is lining out
0: and speaking of rookies Sean Thomas Erlington had to leave the game a little bit uh for the Tiger Cats and i had him on my fantasy team so i was like no
1: yeah, yeah me too <laughs> uh, everyone else can score a td but the one guy i have in my damn fantasy fine yeah all right
0: So they put in uh, the draft pick from uh, just this past spring, Malik Malik Irons. Two carries later, he has a touchdown. And then there was a play from Nikola Kalinic. Uh, He ended up having a
1: 31-yard touchdown
0: catch, which... I don't
1: know how Mazzoli threw that ball. <laughs> and yeah, then, that was ridiculous. He was going backwards and falling down
0: and still threw the ball. And he was wide open. Like there was yeah. no one no one around him. And then you gotta feel awesome when twelve of his buddies are in the stands, all
1: wearing number eighty four. <laughs> that was that was outstanding and the and their level of excitement uh, when he scored that. I'm like, don't we all wish we had somebody that would get that oh, excited yeah. if we did something well? <laughs> like, it's like I, coming
0: home to a puppy dog, you know? It's yeah, like, absolutely. Happy to see you every time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. My
0: wife, not so much.
1: But. <laughs> I feel that I understand that.
0: Uh, Braylon Addison ends up scoring three touchdowns. I was happy with that fantasy pick. Well, that's because
1: I picked him last week and not this week. I picked him
0: both. I'm like I'm sticking with it. (laughs) Good for you. Good, you're lucky. Uh, Simone Lawrence. And you can argue whether he should have played in this game, but he had an interception, and he ended up having a sack as well. You know, I did the math here. The hearing's not happening until July 9th. If the two-game suspension stands, he's going to return August 1st against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders.
1: Oh, oh, really? Wow. (laughs) (sighs) So, you know, I... I, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I, I really am having a hard time with that one. Um, I know. I like
0: I, Simone, and that's why it bothers me so much, I think. I,
1: I agree. And I, off the field, when I've met Simone, I've always had great yeah. interactions with him, and I've talked about it on my show a lot. And uh, But that hit, we can't have it in the game. And, and, no. I just, and although I get the CFLPA has to support both players, it's like you can't talk and preach and do all this thing about player safety for the, when they're doing the contract, the CBA. And then this happens and it's like, Oh, well, no, we're just going to let this guy keep playing. Like, well, that's, that's not really, I get that they have to, but it's like at some point they've got to sit down and just take a stand on somebody. And I don't want it to be Simody, but he made the mistake. So, stand up and pay the price and let it be done and let's carry on because now there's all of this rift through the entire CFL as if, is he should even be on the field and all these other things. And, and of course the two games that he's played in, he's had an impact in both games. So, um, be interesting to see where it goes from here.
0: I'm hesitant to say that it's the quarterback's fault when the other team pops 60 points on you. Um, but I don't think James Franklin looked horrible. And I know you're the biggest James Franklin fan west of Toronto, maybe even <laughs> including Toronto. But I don't think he looked bad. I I I thought they could have involved Darrell Walker, but we talked about it earlier in the show. Maybe they weren't thrown to him because Delvin Bro was uh, covering him the entire game. But man, I, I don't think he looked bad. I I he had no running game and no offensive line. James Wilder's not getting it done. And by the way, when the game starts, pull your jersey down, Wilder. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. That yeah. was a doorknob move, I thought. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, I agree. And I'm actually, I'm kind of at the point of like, how many? Don't they have like 80 other running backs? Like, you didn't think you wanted to try somebody else like Burks or somebody who has had a little more success running the ball to help James out a bit because, yeah, you're right. That off. Well, I already talked about how the offensive line is yeah. very good. And uh, they, if you don't have a supporting cast of having a little bit of a, a running game on top of it, well, any quarterback, ask Mike Riley how well he did in week one when all he did was throw the ball, yeah. right? And that's Mike Riley, and we all know he's a great quarterback. I'm not saying that James Franklin is Mike Riley but I'm just saying he he's every oppor- every chance in the last two years that he's been in, he's not really been given an opportunity to have a balanced offense to actually play from. So I'm, yeah, I, it it makes it. Hard. I agree with you. I don't think he looked horrible, but how are they going to switch it up to help him be successful? That would be something to watch over the next few weeks.
0: Yeah, I feel like if he was behind the Winnipeg offensive line and he went into that exact situation, I'd say he's sort of similar to a Matt Nichols, but he's more mobile and more more powerful when he's you know trying to avoid sacks and things like that. But Franklin, when he stands in the pocket and throws the ball, it's just effortless. It just yes. flies out of his hand.
1: Yeah, and it's a beautiful, beautiful throw, right? Yeah. Like it's it's a very nice catchable ball. So um I was actually very surprised there was not as much sJ green in this game I thought we would see more of him with bro covering uh Walker. Yeah. so I, I actually picked up sJ green in my fantasy thinking that he would be maybe see the ball a bit more but uh just not enough time to get it to him this team
0: so I went three and0 and pick him this week did
1: you pick the Argos I sure did <laughs> yep yeah I got sucked in on that one I got I, I believe the pre season hype which uh, bit I me bought in into butt, it but yeah I, I bought it I was ready for Toronto to have a great I was ready for them to surprise and do really well uh, not so much so I'm uh, I think I'm five and two now on the season
0: yeah, I'm six and one. I'm I'm pretty happy with my start so far. And we got to mention the Canadian Football Podcast Network Fantasy Challenge. I scored 112.1 points. It wasn't looking that good, and then uh, Sean Thomas Erlington and then Braylon Addison wrapped it up for me on uh, on Saturday and kind of saved my week. So I beat Ryan from Canadian uh, Football Countdown. How did you do in the fantasy
1: challenge? Uh, I ended up with 93 points and, uh, which isn't, I mean, it's kind of an average week, I guess, but, uh, it was enough to, uh, beat Rod from the Wood Cookie Sawcast, which kind of surprises me because he's super in depth in his uh, fantasy. So, I pulled off an early se- early season lucky move. So, I'll take it uh, probably just because Trevor Harris got me 30 points. Um yeah. and uh, I, I I don't know why I thought, well, this is going to happen again, so I'm going to pick him again. And look at that. He did. Um so it was uh, it was close cuz I think he was at 87, but hey, enough to take it down. So, I'm 2 and 0 in the league and I'll take it.
0: Awesome. Well, uh, Andrew, thanks so much for filling in for the suspended Brazilian tie. Where can everybody hear more
1: of you? Well, first let me say thank you for holding up the suspension and making sure that this just doesn't happen again. There's no <laughs> but- appeals in this league. <laughs> We've got to set a precedent. Yeah, there's there's no CFPNPA that uh, comes in and steps in, and says we're going to appeal this. So, well, actually,
0: um, uh, Ryan from CFL Horseman, he actually did say, uh, oh, did. On, on behalf of the Canadian Football Podcast Network Podcasters <laughs> Association, in respect to Tyrell and his wishes, we will not be filing an appeal. <laughs>
1: So, it was good of us. That's, that's why it stood.
0: Us. They respected. Uh, they respected the victim, which was, uh, I guess, Rider Nation, and <laughs> the offender, uh, Tyrell. Well, two two uh, two episodes, and he'll be back on Thursday.
1: <laughs> that's right. He's back on Thursday with more hot takes. Oh my um, God! Yeah, <laughs> he'll be I, a repeat I, offender now. <laughs> I I can't wait to ask how many cokes he had in his suspension. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, well, and again thank you for having me on I, I love coming on and chatting football with you as you know um, and you can find our stuff uh, Eskimo Empire podcast anywhere you can find podcasts uh, iTunes Google Play Spotify Stitcher all those fun things and of course uh, you can always check our website EskEmpire.ca where we've got all the old shows uh, a bunch of Kayla's pictures and uh, some blogs as we can get them out there um, and of course follow us on Twitter uh, at EskEmpirePod and uh, you can find us on Facebook and all those things interact with us. We like interacting with everyone across the CFL. And uh, if you're coming into town, make sure you uh, jump over to our tailgate pregame and we'll uh, feed you and uh, have a few laughs before we get in for a big game.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, man. Thanks to Empire Andrew for filling in for the suspended Brazilian tie today. Ty's going to be back on Thursday, I promise. I know the hashtag free Brazilian tie hashtag is kind of taken off a little bit, but he'll be back Thursday. To and Out is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB, and I want to point you into the direction of Ed, conversations about the teaching life. Uh, Teacher Shane Lawrence is the host of uh, Ed. And I got to say, (laughs) teachers get my utmost respect. I know how much of a jackass I was when I was a kid. So teachers deserve everything and more, but really interesting podcast who actually just celebrated their one Hundredth episodes. Congratulations to Ed for 100 episodes. Here's to 100 more. Check out Ed, Conversations About the Teaching Life, a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, and check out all the other great shows at albertapodcastnetwork.com. I should mention as well, we have teamed up with Seat Giant. So head to seatgiant.ca. CFL games, they're all on there. You enter the promo code APN at checkout, you're going to save 5%, you're going to support the Alberta to podcast network at the same time. So baseball, the Blue Jays, you can buy tickets, promo code APN, CFL games, concerts. What if you're going to Las Vegas or something and you want to see what's going on in town that day? Seatgiant.ca, it's all in Canadian funds. Use the promo code APN, you're going to save some cash and give a kick back to the network at the same time. Seatgiant is Canadian owned and operated and guarantees Every single ticket. Have a good few days. We'll be back to preview week three Thursday for the return of Brazilian tie. Thanks for listening. Find more
1: great shows like this at CF pod network on Twitter.